story number one that we're unpacking today is a big tech story. Uh, we like talking about uh, the dynamics that big tech creates, mostly because when we think of the economic pillars of our country, uh, the ones that have a long storied history mm-hmm. are going to be uh, oil companies and uh, growth in even real estate development, creating some massive, massive multinational companies and uh yeah, global economic presences. Now, the ones that have risen in the last, uh, let's say, 20-ish years, definitely, uh, you know, some have an older history than that, but really solidified themselves as pillars of the economy have been the big five tech companies that includes Google, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon. Uh, And those companies define a lot of the economic activity of our country and I think open a window into what the future of, uh, you know, our our brand of uh, capitalism and capitalistic growth is going to look like and uh, where we need to put our checks and balances. And if there aren't, what are the consequences going to be? So if we look to Europe, they often have much stronger antitrust and uh, anti-monopolistic practice legislation and action. Uh, Does that action ever really result in change for these companies? Not really, because Mm -hmm. the fines that they get are still (laughs) drops in the bucket comparatively, but they do take a lot of initiative on action for analyzing and trying to determine whether or not uh, businesses, especially big tech, are breaking any antitrust policies. So the European Commission recently has opened two different antitrust investigations into Apple, one for their App Store and then one for their Apple Pay payment system. So I'm going to go through both of them real quick and then we'll give some thoughts. So uh, for the App Store, the initial complaint came from Spotify and from e-reader company Kobo. Spotify's complaint came in March of 2019 and both of them are claiming that Apple is taking too big of a cut from their uh, App Store purchases and the App Store uh, payment platform. So they're saying that Apple takes 30% commission on every subscription signed up via the App Store in the first year. And then they're also taking a 15% cut on top of that. So 45% of whatever direct download from the App Store is going back into Apple. 55% goes to the company. Now, you know, they still get the uh, greater share there. But when you look at how much money this really is for Apple across the board, when you have hundreds of thousands of different companies selling their services on your App Store, uh, it becomes not chump change. It generates $1 billion for the company monthly. On January 1st, they hit a new single-day record of $386 million via App Store downloads in one day. Uh, 50 to $100 million of that went directly to Apple. Wow. Yeah, and uh, other companies are complaining Apple has used the platform to promote its own books or music or services unfairly. Uh, we've seen Amazon get hit with similar claims that they boost their own products. Google uh, as well getting hit with um, 
uh, with probes into how their algorithm uh, boosts or doesn't boost certain sites based on whether you're forking over more ad dollars or if it's a direct Google uh, feature. So this is something that is common in big tech. They are both the service and the platform in many ways. And so when they are the service and the platform, uh, they get to set a lot of the rules for how other companies interact with said platform in ways that can be read as anti-competitive. So the European Commission is looking at the situation to see whether the App Store uh, and its rules are stifling competition in things like gaming and cloud services. Quote, the commission has concerns that Apple's restrictions may distort competition for music streaming services on Apple's devices. And by having companies sell over their own in-app payment system, Apple, according to the commission, has, quote, full control over the relationship with customers of its competitors. So add on top of all this, data is also apparently being siphoned from companies about their customers and not being revealed to them, but still being collected and used by Apple. So essentially giving information on customers and potential competitors to Apple that the competitors don't even have access to. So this is a quote from uh, Margaret Vestager. I, I think I probably mispronounced that, but she's the EU's competition chief. She said, quote, Apple sets the rules for the distribution of apps to users of iPhones and iPads. It appears that Apple obtained a gatekeeper role when it comes to the distribution of apps and content to users of Apple's popular devices. So that's one of the antitrust probes. The second one, a little less information on this one, but you know, uh, goes in tandem with the same sort of dynamic that the EU is trying to unpack, is that Apple Pay is being investigated for uh, apparently undercutting competition by limiting access to near-field communication for contactless payment in stores. Uh, so Margaret Vestager, again, EU's competition chief, she added to this that, quote, it appears that Apple sets the conditions on how Apple Pay should be used in merchants' apps and websites. It also reserves the tap-and-go functionality of iPhones to Apple Pay. So we're seeing two different situations of a similar dynamic, a largely used platform that basically wants to decide how the platform is used, what the rules of the platform are, and how competitors uh, can benefit from the platform. And other companies, whether they're direct competitors or not, are claiming this platform is benefiting Apple too much and is not a truly uh, you know, egalitarian platform for us to grow our business. If anything, uh, I think they would claim that it is somewhat of a, a I don't know, a labyrinth or a, a, a prison to some degree for those companies when the main access to these customers is only through the platform and there's no other options to grow, uh, to reach that many customers without becoming Apple. And, you know, I doubt small app companies are saying, hey, you know, I have the chance to be Apple. You know, Apple's growth comes from a lot of luck as well. It's mm -hmm. not like you can just magically create that out of thin air. So what are your thoughts on these antitrust probes from the EU uh, on any of the dynamics that we're unpacking here? Take it away, sir. Well, it's interesting, right? Because Apple has both the hardware, right? So you have the phone and then also the platform by which you can download things onto that phone, right? And so they kind of have like both of those things locked up and can utilize that 
to their own benefit. And you would assume that any other company in that position would. Um, now, maybe it's you can look at that and say that the amount that they're taking is unfair or unjust and that if you were to say, okay, our stuff's not going to be on Apple anymore, well, okay, then your app is probably going to, to a large extent, ex- cease to exist because Apple just has so much of the market share when it comes to uh, phone hardware, right? So Because people largely use Apple devices, uh, especially here in the United States. I know uh, Android's maybe a little bit bigger, um, has m- maybe more of the market share over in Europe and in other pl- parts of the world, but especially in the United States, Apple has just such a high um, high amount of that, that market share when it comes to uh, who's using their phones. And so then you look at it and say, okay, so if you have an Apple device, you have to go through the App Store to get you know things onto that device. And it feels like Apple very much does have a stranglehold on that. Now, like where you fall in terms of you know whether or not that's right or not, I guess depends on um, how you feel about you know other other ways that you would distribute you know how, how you feel about monopolies how you feel about um, different things along those lines right and so if you look at it and say Apple by virtue of the fact that they create the hardware and have created the platform kind of has the ability to do what they want as far as that's concerned or as the EU would would maybe look at it and say that the way that they've leveraged these two things in in concert with one another has created an unfair marketplace and that there's not the ability to, um, you know, to to have that kind of competition like what's necessary, um, given the fact that Apple has just such a stranglehold over those two aspects of things. And so it, it's, I don't know, it's it's really really interesting to me just the the dynamic bef- between that. And I, I don't know where where do you fall between those, Daniel? Do you think that you know by virtue of having those two aspects of the market that Apple kind of has the ability to do what they want. I'm sure that there are things in the user agreement that people agree to when they join the Apple Store that Apple would say, "Hey, this gives us the ability to do, you know, what we want as far as this is concerned." Or do you think that on the other side that, you know, Apple should have a more maybe welcoming marketplace where um where people keep a larger cut of their um uh, of what people pay for their products and um, you know, doesn't squeeze competitors out of the market. Yeah, I mean, I think this is up for interpretation, really, and it comes down to how you view uh, the role of these large multinational entities in our ecosystem, and whether or not uh, you, the royal you, <laughs> uh, thinks that these companies you know, deserve this spot, right? That they have made it and therefore they get to call the shots because they have won at the system to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that uh, this dynamic is not sustainable and if anything is only further deepening some of the inequalities that we see in our economic system uh, and uh, you know, we see this represented in ways that don't really have to do with Apple specifically. Huge gaps in income inequality, uh, huge gaps in, uh, you know, the the sort of, uh, I guess, longevity of huge multinational corporations while Main Street America is getting ravaged by COVID-19. So there are a lot of uh, sort of reaffirmations of the power of big business during this time when smaller businesses are sort of told, hey, you know what, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, make it happen. It's the same kind of, uh, I think, cultural 
mythos that uh, individual consumers are fed as well, right? Hey, if you've got a problem, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, we are the land of opportunity, and you can make it happen. So I just think that a lot of those arguments have inherent fallacies that the actual dynamics of the marketplace or society or the economy. And in this specific situation, I think it reflects that exact dynamic because for most companies, if you want to sell your app, I mean, you know, does anyone realistically expect you to try to sell it not on an app store? Uh, you know, like I, you can sell it on the Android one, you can sell it on the Apple one, you can sell it on the Google one, but you know, how do you sell your app not on those services? Uh, what kind of marketing dollars, ad dollars, what kind of digital infrastructure do you need to put into some kind of, uh, you know, backend to support selling this that doesn't already use those platforms, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. some might argue, well, that's the whole point. Apple set this up so they deserve a cut and that's just the price of doing business. But uh, when you see the way that the App Store has evolved, it has slowly but surely taken more and more cuts from the people on the platform because to some degree the hardware sales are declining and apple's uh iphone sales have stagnated in the last several years and turns out that their services fees are actually making them more consistent money or are just providing that needed growth that is always sought after by big business. Growth is the 100% end goal. We always have to be growing. And it's just not realistic, in my opinion, mm -hmm. that there will always be more growth to be had. Eventually, you collapse under your own weight or you eat up everything else and there's nothing left and there's nowhere left to grow. So with all of that in mind, I just think that uh, the investigations don't come from a, you know, a place of ill will. I think they are backed up by uh, historical evidence and trends for how these large tech companies operate and their business models. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're someone out there who argues that this is a cost of doing business, this is how it should be done because they're the ones that set up the service and, you know, got the success and therefore everyone just kind of has to operate under this model. Uh, you know, consider the kind of changes that a gatekeeping tech company can make that we have zero, zero, zero control over. No control. Right. Um, these are decisions that will impact uh, the flow of money, will impact business livelihood, will impact consumers in ways that we can't really even imagine on a long-term domino effect scale and yet they can be decided by a handful of people uh, from one company and that can shape the entire economy. So think of that power and should Apple have the ability to just say, yep, I'm going to take 45% of your sale because you decided to use the App Store when there's no other options or when the other options are are limited and are are you know, acting in a similar kind of, you know, flat fee, pay me function, what else is there to do? So, 
you know, the kind of fallacy of you can just find a better option, mm-hmm. I don't really think is real. Right. And I think it does make the case for, you know, Apple should be confronted about these practices and there should be some discussion on what would it look like to make this more egalitarian in a way that, you know, Apple still gets to have its cut for providing the service, but doesn't uh, price gouge smaller apps that are trying to make a living on these platforms. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, that that, that absolutely makes a lot of sense, just that there aren't other options. And so I'll be very curious to see what happens with this EU investigation. And very quickly before we move on, um, again, the the EU can only give a maximum penalty at fine-wise of about 10% of global revenue for breaking competition rules. 10% of global revenue is still huge, but for these multinational companies that sort of make money on their money very quickly, um, these fines have shown that they're really just drops in the bucket and they have no evidence of curbing long-term business practices. So if there's going to be some action here, uh, I think the EU is already signaling they're looking at some action that could be more structural uh, and could have you know, a, a more long-term effect on actually curbing the issue here rather mm-hmm. than just slapping them with a fine for being bad, but then things continue as normal. So right. it's, a, it's a dynamic that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. Right, right, absolutely. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. Oh, 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 oh,